Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. going to be starting a series today called Take It Back. Now, for many of you, that's a phrase from your childhood that you would say to your brother or sister, take it back, take it back. And you know what we mean by that is you said something nasty, take it back. Um, the fact is, is that I want to take it this way and say, oftentimes there's areas of life that we lose ground on. We lose ground in our relationships. We lose ground in our finance. We lose ground in our attitudes. We lose ground on change. We want to make change, but for all the reasons that he just brought up in there, we make ourselves powerless in change and we don't get it done. We step out of the game. So I want to talk about how you actually win in this particular thing, uh, this change. And we're going to talk about things that we can lose track of as we go through. But before we do, know that you're always up against a world that is there to actually compromise every part of God's dream, God's plan, and God's purpose in your life. It's never there to reinforce that in your life. It's always going to be there to water that down, to put it on the shelf, to make it weaker than it should be. And there's, here's some scriptures about the last days. You wanna talk last days for a minute? Let's just go to the scriptures and read. Second Timothy 3. One through five in the message version says, don't be naive. Isn't that great? Don't be naive. You're coming into a great year. I mean, this could be a year of amazing change. It could be a year of amazing growth, but it's not gonna happen if you're gonna be naive. So this starts off with don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. Change never comes easy. It's never gonna just flow and happen for you. You're gonna have to do very strategic things to make it happen and to feed it throughout this coming year. There are difficult times ahead. By the way, we don't often note these kind of promises from the Lord, but this is a promise. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be, and then he's gonna go through a litany here, which I'm gonna read in a second. But I want you to note that all of it is really about character, our heart our development, who we are. It's not what we do, it's what we be. This year, your change, if you're gonna have real change, it's not in just the do compartment. In fact, if you're just gonna work the do compartment of change, you're probably going to fail. Well, you will. Because you have to become something so that you can do something. The becoming part is that out of which the do gets done and expands and grows. And so what you become is always more important than the doing. And that's always the, the, the actually the faculties of our faith that says it's what we're becoming that is the seeds of the change and the purpose and the plan of God in our life. So don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be, listen to these particular character traits. Self-absorbed, money-hungry, Self-promoting, stuck up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, 
slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Do you remember we talked about how we have the three basic natures that are working in us, and the the first one is the beast nature, the animal nature, and then there's the mind, the mental, and then there's the third level we talked about, out of which, as a Christian, you have this new creation in Christ, a spiritual level that you are working. He's, He's put his light into your life. It's saying you've got people with a show of religion, but they really are just living still in that one layer. Nothing has changed about their life. Behind the scenes are animals. Stay clear of these people. Wow, strong language. It's Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a leader in the early church. I mean, a powerful leader. This guy uh, influenced, I mean, his ministry, he walked alongside Paul a lot, but his ministry was something that probably escalated to the idea of almost the apostle level. He was that powerful in ministry. And he's talking, Paul is talking to him and he's saying, look, this is what you're going to run into. This is, things don't get better from here on in. Here's what's actually you're going to be up against. And he's saying, I want you to stay clear of these people. So there are things constantly around us. If you look at every one of those character traits, They are very, very, can we say, preeminent in our world today. These traits he is listing because these are the traits that are against the plan, the purpose, the dream of God in your life. What he's wanting you to become. And then, of course, what he wants you to do. And so he's paying attention to these particular traits. And every one of them, if you were to do a one to 10, just in degrees, do you think this is like a 10 in degree in our day and age? Or do you think it's like a one? So let me just take a few and you come back at me, okay? I want you to call out one or 10 when I say this, all right? Self-absorbed, is it a one or a 10 in degree today? Closer to 10, right? High. It's high. Okay, ready? Want to try a few more? How about uh, self-promoting? Ten, any ones out there? Okay, we are in the age of selfies. We post them. On social media, we want you to know what we ate this morning. <laughs> or maybe more importantly, what we didn't. Self-promoting. It's, it's all about me out here. Uh, how about uh, this one? where we would say uh, impulsively wild. More or less, the restraint isn't there. If it feels good, do it. Because all that's going to matter is if it feels good. If we were to go through each of this list and rate them, you're going to find on the high side, you're going to rate them high all the time. And and that tells us that we're in an age that if you're going to live a faith where Jesus says, the greatest in my kingdom will be the servants, Do you understand you're going to be going upstream constantly? That you have the stream pushing against you and it's not going to be an easy ride at all? You're in a constant time of resistance to your faith. Do you feel that out there? Do you feel it in your your place of work? Do you feel it in your community? 
And it's all around us. So the first week, what we want to talk about in taking back is this. You must take back the dream. The first starting point to taking back your life and getting it in a place where real change is happening, your passion gets awakened, your life kind of goes up in quality in every which way, is you got to start with the dream world. Because more than likely, your dream world, especially maybe during these uh, interesting times of COVID and the restrictions and the responses from government and all of the things that the big arguments over, you're probably, probably having the dream world going down like this. And so everything gets put on hold. Well, I, I really can't do that. Or I, I can't really, everything's being put on hold. This is a dangerous time. I'll tell you why things have to change in our society right away. It has to change because of the young, the youth. This is the time of life where they can't have a two-year hiatus from dreams. They gotta have dreams that they are having in their life and that they can push forward in and that they can begin to keep moving in life for. It draws them forward. It lifts them out of the morass. If they don't get out of that, then where's the hope-based life going to be for them? Dreams. You know, when you look at all the great men and women of scripture, I often have thought, wonder what their dreams were when they were young. You know, when you think about a David, when he's out there with the sheep, and he's, he's, he's looking after his dad's sheep. He's just a lad, folks. In our world, you, would, you wouldn't even hardly let him stay home by himself. He's out there looking after sheep and protecting him from wolves and lions, which he did do. In doing that, we know that he became this great psalmist, this song, this poem writer that was often worship-oriented. And here he is, imagine with a night sky, there's a young heart dreaming of the life ahead of maybe what God would use him for. Maybe dreaming so big as, as, as to surprise even himself. Because his response on days when Goliath stands down challenging the whole nation and he's the only one responding. I mean, David already has to have had out of dreams the capacity for faith. So faith and dreams go together. Now let me just make some things clear about faith though. Your faith, your faith is not there so that you can control God. Just think about that statement. You're, you don't have faith so you can control God. It's not me, I have a plan, I have a dream. So God, uh, here's what I need you to do so that my dream doesn't that just sound weird when I put it in that phraseology that we would think that somehow our faith is to control God? No, your faith isn't to control God. In fact, your faith is so that God can control you. Faith is God gives him what he needs so that he can impart to you the dream, the purpose. He can give you the things to look forward to, to look into the future and believe for and keep believing for and keep trusting him for. Your faith is so that you and God can partner, so that God can get involved in your situation. So often, we make even our dreams only about us. It's not. It's not about us. Our dreams are about God who fashioned us, called us, 
and then has given us a way to live for him in which he wants us to accomplish things. But he has also given us faith. And when we use faith, that's when God's dreams can be awakened in your life. Look at Hebrews 11, one through three. And I'm reading from the message version. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trusting God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Just park it there for a second. He's telling us in this, in other words, that for you to live out things that are meaningful this year that are gonna matter, things that are gonna hit your meaning meter right down to the very core of who you are, that is gonna make a, a footprint, leave a footprint somewhere, you know, this year. The things that are actually gonna be, uh, have even an eternal impact uh, in your life. He's saying all of these things that really matter, it, it, these things that are worth living for, spending your life on, these things happen because of this basic trust in God. What are you trusting though? Well, you're trusting his character, you're trusting his love, you're trusting his plan, you're trusting his purpose, you're trusting his dream. God has made you part of his dream in this world if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You've entered into the ability by faith for God's dream to be unpacked in its unique form and fashion within your life. That's what faith gives you the ability to do. Let's finish it off. He's saying, it's our handle on what we can't see. You know, that's what a dream is. A dream is, I get this idea of this picture that's out there. I don't see all the detail. I, I can't draw you a map. I can't give you a five-point plan yet. I can't, I can't take you through all a broken-down goal set yet because I'm just starting in the dream. The dream is, this, is the concept. The dream is the picture. And so when we get this dream, he's saying that the beginning of this working in your life is faith. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors. Now what's the act of faith? Trust, just put the word trust. I'm trusting. You cannot actually produce the kind of change you want in your life without trusting. You gotta trust him. Now, trust is a hard fashion of faith because it means that you cannot share that trust between yourself and him. It means you either trust him or you don't trust him. Let's finish off the scriptures. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. He's saying in the same way, your faith by trusting in God acts like God in creation model. He sent his word, it's created. Sent his word, it's created. Sent his word, it's created. From nothing comes something. Now, there's a lot of things in your life that all of a sudden it feels like there's nothing. Nothing left in this relationship. There's nothing left, you know, in my life for, you know, strength. I just feel completely worn down. I'm just finished. He's saying the beginning of turning that around is faith in him. He's saying you want, you got to have dream. And if you don't have a dream, you have no requirement for faith. Think about that. Those of you that have your dreams broken down. Those of you that have lost 
you know, this year and dreams have changed or crashed or they just aren't there. Where's your beginning point? You have got to have a place in your life where faith and God's dream can come together. When they come together, now we've got something that's going to happen. It's going to happen. It might not happen on your time schedule. It might not happen, you know, uh, as quickly as you would like. The fact is, it's just going to happen. So what I want to do today is take a look at some real potential dream wreckers. They're a part of our life. That, just think about this last year, 2021, that we just completed. And maybe there's some dream wreckers that you've been through. And we're going to look at some from scriptures. The first potential dream record is family. It's kind of funny. But where our dreams mean the most to us is often around family. But where dreams are often can we say challenged, disrespected, are within family. In the story of a man by the name of Joseph, we find this exactly happening in his life. In Joseph's life, we find an incredible story found in Genesis 37, five through 11, and then it carries on 19 and 20, and it goes basically like this. God gives him a dream. In fact, he gives him two dreams. And the dreams that he gave him was that of his family bowing down to him. And his brothers, seeing as he was born down the list, 10th in the family, and he had many older brothers, when he shared this with him, he shared his dream with his brothers, and his brothers immediately came with hostility. Are you serious? You think we're going to bow down to you? Jesus put it this way with this kind of attitude. He said, you know, a prophet is found without honor in his own country. Familiarity, family, they can't, see, all they see is you and you, 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 you've been the little one that's grown up and they can't see God's hand or God's call or God's dream in your life. You've got people like that more than likely in your life right now, possibly within your family. They may be really discouragers for you in going ahead, they may be telling you, just give up on it. They may, be, they may be actually encouraging you to go the opposite direction of something that God has put in your heart. You know it's right for you to maybe build this or do this or take this risk or you feel that this is something God will have you do. But you've got this discouraging factor within your family. Joseph had that going on right within his own family. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Joseph, who do you think you are? Well, there's two ways to ask that question. One is disparagingly. Who do you think you are? And one is different where it says, who do you think you are? You see, God's dream defines us. When God is something that has put, he's put a dream in your heart, this is a defining moment. You now have a picture, you have a direction, it's not clear, it's not out in strategies yet, it doesn't have five goals set up, you haven't aligned all the focus to get there, you haven't done any of the work to follow that stage, but you have a direction, your forward path has been defined. I was 12 years old when I started to understand this, believe it or not. When God gave me a dream and an amazing moment in time, when he put on my life a dream, one without any details, 
Dreams don't come with details. And he put a dream on my heart in my life. God puts dreams in our hearts without the details. It may be a rebuild dream for you. It might be a rebuild of a relationship, a rebuild financially. It might be a rebuild in some habit in your life, a rebuild of something that is uh, in health in your life. You might have all of these kind of rebuild dreams. They're in the, they're in the dream phase, no details. But your family's not gonna necessarily be the ones to cheer you on. In fact, oftentimes they become the attack force against the dream. Another area that you've got to watch for dream records for is in friends. It sounds so backwards, doesn't it? In Mark 5, 35 to 36, there's a story told about a man named Jairus. In that story, Jesus is approached by a man named Jairus who was the leader of a synagogue uh, and his daughter had grown ill and was perishing. He traveled quite a ways to find Jesus. And he had heard about him. And so he was breaking with his own religious ardor and going to Jesus because he was the one person he felt he could go to for the miracle that was required. When he approaches Jesus, Jesus says, okay, let's go to your house. As they are starting to make their way towards his house, which is a journey, there a friend comes from his home and says, hey, your daughter's died. It's too late, don't bother the teacher here. Jesus gets his attention, looks him eye to eye, and he says basically this, trust me. And they continued to the, to the house. When they arrived, Jesus walks in, he walks through, one version puts it, he walks through all the gossips, he walks through all those bringing the meals, and he gets into the room and he says, Get up, Tabitha. Resurrected right there. Walks her out. One of those amazing Jesus moments. And in that moment, if that man Jairus had bought in, just imagine, he got word that his daughter had died. And Jesus is the only one that in it could do anything about this. And he's saying eye to eye, you trust me. See, we think oftentimes things are dead and beyond hope. We get to the point where it's like, it's impossible. Well, we must understand impossible is a word within our own humanity. It's not a word within his divinity. And so that being the case, that eye-to-eye -eye contact and then that statement of Christ to say, you trust me, is the thing that Jairus put his trust in. And so he continued to bring Jesus to his home, the hopeless situation in his home. He had just received, it's a hopeless situation. And he brought him to the hopeless situation. We are so quick that when things seem to be dead, to just say, it's dead. It's dead, it's over. A lot of us, that death can be slow and you get a little longer in the tooth in life. And pretty much you settled back into a routine of comfort rather than a, than a dream-led life. I pray 2022 will be a dream-led life for you. 
I pray that it'll wake up something in your soul and that life this year can take on the deepest meanings as we read already about making life worth living. I hope your life this, this year is going to be so worth living because the dream is beating strong in your heart and because you are trusting God even though it seems these things are dead. You can give me a whole list of reasons why you're going to fail this year. And I'm going to respond with one thing. You will only fail simply because of trust. Faith is where the dream begins and is empowered and it moves forward. Another one that might surprise you is that Elijah illustrates for us this principle of fatigue. Oftentimes people are just outrightly fatigued. It's a dream wrecker. Here's the biggest issue today with COVID and the response of shutdowns and all of that is having to do with the fatigue of mind and of emotion and of soul that everybody is under assault with. All of us are under assault with this. It's constant. Uh, we feel the pressure uh, all the time uh, coming uh, that is, is, is to control every action or thought. And within us, we have this pressure that's constantly pressing against us. We live in a world of fear. We live in a world that trusting God is not the normal thing. And so everything in the world pushes against trust in God. Fatigue in Elijah's case was really interesting because he just had a huge win. I mean, it was, a, it was a bang up moment. He had just had a moment on, on a mountain where God did a miracle and uh, challenged, uh, he had challenged the prophets of Baal. These, this is who was in charge, the religion of the age, the religion that had taken over Israel, a horrible religion, a horrible worship. It was, a, it was something that was very demeaning, very degrading. It, it, it was very base. And so these guys get taken on on a mountaintop with a challenge. God responds. There's this beautiful moment of miracle. And then Elijah, after many, many years of service, is thinking, finally Israel will turn back to the one true God. He's so feeling it. He outruns in a rainstorm. He outruns, literally, the horses of the king's chariot back to the city. And there the queen, Jezebel, threatens him and says, See if you're going to pay. See if I don't take your life by, by tomorrow. It just for him was a moment. Fatigue sets in. Discouragement. Depression. He just takes his servant. They leave. They go south. They start hitting the desert. And he stops. And he, he's just done. And he says basically this. God, I am finished. I'm finished. I can't take it anymore. I'm so done. Like, just take me home now, because you know what? It's, I'm done with this. I can't go on. Of course, I know those words don't ring true in any of your hearts. It's over, Lord. I got nothing more to bring to the party. Lord, the fridge is empty. The cupboard's bare. God, there is nothing in the tanks in reserve. I have no reserve. That's where he was at. He was fatigued mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Here was God's answer. Here's how God dealt with fatigue in his life. 
It says that all of a sudden an angel appears to him. And the angel gives him something to eat. And he gives him a, a drink of water. And then he wakes him up to do that. And then he falls back to sleep. And then he comes again and he wakes him up and he gives him another, some things to eat and he gives him something to drink. He's getting him just dealing with the basics of rest. He's giving him a mind, an emotional, a physical rest. Then he begins his journey to have it out with God, to expose how he's feeling. And how he's feeling is, I'm done. Like I've done everything I can. Why haven't you done everything you can? Gets to a cave on a mountain, Mount Sinai. In that cave, he's telling God, he's saying how bad it is. This is how bad it is. It's so bad, God. You're not going to believe it. But you don't know what? I've been serving you for a long time. And right now, I'm the only one left. Nobody else is serving you. And all the wrong people are in power. And all of the wrong things are happening. And God, I got nothing more to bring to the party. So God finally speaks to him in a still small whisper. If you want to read it, you can read the entire story. It's fascinating. First Kings 19. He speaks to him in a whisper. And in speaking to him in a whisper, he basically tells him, Oh, Elijah, you have so lost your perspective. Oh, Elijah, you have so are out of touch with this moment and my work and my dream. I know how you feel. I know that you're looking at things and say, it's dead. I know that you got nothing left in your tank that way. Elijah, don't ever believe it was your tank that was fueling my dream anyway. So Elijah, here's the deal. Get up. I'm going to send you back in there. And you're going to appoint this person king over in this country. And he's going to take out Ahab and Jezebel. You're going to go and you're going to actually appoint Elisha who's going to come. And he's going to be the prophet that will take over from you. And he's going to follow you. And by the way, just for a note here, uh, Elijah, there are 7,000 others within Israel who have not bowed the knee. You're not alone. Whenever you think it's as dark as it is and you can only see darkness, can you please understand that is your eyes and not his? Wherever you just see darkness when you look at your life or you look at the future or you look at last year, wherever you just see darkness, would you please accept right now that that is not God's eyes and God's view? And that if your faith can just reconnect as Elijah's did, reconnect with God, he's going to pick up the dream and say, oh, the dream is moving along exactly where I want it to be, buddy. The dream's happening. You said, what, what? It's dead. It's not dead. The dream is going forward. And here's the things that are going to move it forward. Stage two, let's go. Another thing that is a dream record is failure, past failures. This is a hard one. Because failure is something that you and I often don't recover from quickly. We so are instantaneous and we lack today a strength of character and endurance that causes us to re-engage with life in the midst of failure. And so failure is something that a lot of people, it just completely derails them. But it derails the best of people. In the story of Joshua, 
in 7, 1 through 10 is a story that they have now just defeated Jericho. They've come into the land. It's all underway. They are taking over the land that God had given them, this land flowing with milk and honey. And they had just took out the big city with the big walls. And so they sent a few spies over to look at a little city not far away. That was the next thing, more town size. And said, yeah, I'll go take a look and report back. The guys came back and said, oh, it's just a little town. So don't send the whole army. Let them rest and just send a few. So they did, but you see, the problem was God had put some things into the nation when they went to battle against Jericho that they weren't to take anything. They weren't to take anything from the city for themselves. It would all go to the treasury of God. And one man took some garments and some gold and silver, dug a hole in the middle of his tent, put it in his vault. So these men went out to this little town of Ai to take it on. They were turned tail and ran in front of the enemy. 37 men were killed in that particular journey. Joshua gets word back and he can't figure it. Oh, I don't get it. It's what's confusing to him. He didn't get it. And so he says, he says to God, and he rips his garment. He gets on his face before God and he says, what, 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 what? I don't understand it. Why? Here's what God's first words to him. Get up on your feet. Get up on your feet. So he does. He gets up on his feet and he says, there's sin in Israel right now. So they did the investigation as God led. It leads to a guy by the name of Achan. They deal with it. And then they can go out and they take Ai later on. His response to failure was what you and I tend to do, which is what? I thought this was your plan. I thought this was the way oh, we were supposed to do. It sounded like the right way. I mean, isn't this what we're supposed to do? Go and take over uh, this country and you want us to do it? You're, you've, you've led us. We just had a great victory where you did the miraculous thing. And I mean, what's going on here? I don't get this. You could be doing the right thing, but in the wrong way. Have you ever done that? You're doing the right thing, but you're doing it the wrong way. That happens a lot in life. And, and, and failures, it's not about not, that you're not doing the right thing. It's that I got to do this a different way. I got to do this the right way. He didn't consult God on sending out part of the army. He didn't consult God about that at all. He just went with the plan that seemed to make most sense. Failures. Failures. Lastly, fear. Fear. This is a biggie. Fear, fear is something where in the book of Numbers we find a great story uh, where they're going to send in uh, some spies to sort out the land. Twelve spies go in. They all come back. Ten say, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good place, but wow, there's just big giants in the place, walled cities. It's impossible. Fear grips them and grips the nation. Two are saying, hey, we can do this. Come on, God's with us. Let's just get it done. Fear grips the nation. And because of that, they have to go through a wilderness experience for years. You know that fear has put you into the wilderness on more things than you probably care to acknowledge. 
When we're afraid to go forward, we're afraid to reach out, we're afraid in our, in our processes of change and growth to take the next step, to risk taking that step. We don't want to be that vulnerable in this relationship. We don't want to take the next step to make this right. We don't want to take the next step in, uh, in, in this kind of plan or strategic moment in my life. You are by letting fear control that choice. I'm not saying, fear's always gonna be there. But when it controls the choice, you're always gonna end up in a wilderness. And a wilderness is a place that God works certain types of work in our heart to get rid of fear. It is a dry place. It is a monotonous place. It's a place where he just kind of lets you grind away at things until you wake up and recognize there are things far worse than fear far worse fear is never the worst thing having no dream is the worst thing what's your dream if you could change it right now what would it be would it be a family a family a family issue would it be a a real a, a marriage thing would it be an economic thing what would you change right now what would be a seed of a dream in your life that you know I know God would be in this and it's like would it be the way that you uh, are some of the things you need to grow in what it would it be what would be some of the things that you would just right now put an asterisk by and say that is something if I if I could just make it happen it would happen so here's what you want to do with those asterisks let me give you a few things in finishing today of how to restore dreams back to your life well you begin with wisdom from God James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Here is the problem often, is that we are trying to build our hopes upon hurts. Have you ever tried to build hope upon a hurt? You can't do it. When the hurt is there and is driving hard into your soul, whether it's a hurt of failure or what fear has produced or what fatigue or friends or family have said or those that have stood against, um, these kind of hurts, we try to somehow think that we can build upon those hurts. You can't build on those hurts. We build on our hopes. What would you hope for? Because that's the beginning of a dream. And that's why it takes wisdom from God. And you go to God and you have prayers like this, where it's God, a lot of my life is kind of rolling along okay, but this is an asterisk right now that if there could be change and you start attaching hope to that, everybody else is gonna say that's hopeless, it's dead. But God, I'm looking for your wisdom on this. You lead me, you speak to my heart, you say if I ask for wisdom, you'll give it. And so God, I need wisdom because I don't want to just walk away. I want things to be different. I want things to be better. I want this to improve. I want to take this to the next level. I want this life to be uh, that much more fruitful this year. I want to see myself uh, having actually put some footprints into, into life and into the world that you've put me in. I want to see some dreams starting to move forward in this area what is it for Jairus it was his daughter healed well that was his dream of the moment it was one of those crisis dreams oh I give anything I give anything if she could be well and then he got the word she died but then he put his faith in a glance what do you think has died get God's wisdom Jesus gave Jairus God's wisdom trust me 
You trust me. Your way back always begins with the wisdom of God and what he speaks to your heart. You need a little word from God. You need God to speak something into your soul so that you can latch onto it, that you can say, my faith is in what you just said, Lord. That's why he gave Elijah the directions he gave him. That's why he talked to Joshua the way that he did. He did that because those were things they could anchor to. They could put their hope and their faith into. The dream was restored. Now they were back into the trust basis. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to have imagination. You must get wisdom, get a word. Let God's leadership of his word direct your life because dreams from God will define you. You first must be made before you do. Imagination. Oh, what a gift from God this is. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There's nothing beyond God's power. But you want to start with his wisdom. Put trust in how he leads what he says to you. And then begin to imagine, bring your imagination into beyond the reality that you're in. It is hard to imagine beyond the reality that you are in. Especially when you might have been in it for years. Oh, you don't know how long we've had this problem. Oh, you don't know how long we've been in this mess. Oh, you have no idea you know, how deeply we're in this. You hear your language? What you're doing is you're killing imagination. You're resisting his wisdom and you're killing the imagination that God has given you that he says, I am able to do more than you can even ask or imagine. So start asking and start imagining and trust what I speak to you. Imagination. When you're in something that's a long-term struggle and it's going on, It is hard to keep the dream world alive because you've got all these reasons that you see in life not to. That is never going to be the place you're going to rebuild from or restore dreams. You can't get hope by building upon hurt. So what you do is, Lord, I'm reaching beyond for wisdom. I'm not going to the wisdom of just all of my experiences. What is your wisdom on this? And if he's saying hey, you didn't get any fish all night. Midday, bad time for fishing, but let's go fishing. Let's go out to the deep. Okay, Lord, if you say so, we'll go fishing. We worked all night, we didn't get the thing, but just, you know, I'll mention that. And if you say so, let's go. And then Jesus fills their boats to overflowing. What happened in that? His wisdom was, let's go fishing. Wrong time of day. They had just experienced nothing but failure. They had been skunked. They had just finished cleaning their nets. They had every reason to go home, have their afternoon nap, uh, get up, eat something, have another little sleep and get out on the boat for the night again. But instead, Jesus says, ah, let's just go fishing. That was the wisdom. The imagination was, if you say so, imagination today is being robbed by the entertainment world. It's often the only source of imagination for people rather than their own. You have a powerful engine of imagination in you that's so important to the changes that you want this year. That core uh, power of being able to imagine is, is absolutely critical to the achievement process for this year coming up. You cannot change without imagination exceeding your realities that are now current. Wisdom, imagination, third goals. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet 
to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Goal. What's a goal? Well, goals can be obviously very meaningless. They could just be drafted out of anything. But when it started with the wisdom of God and he's saying to you, yeah, it looks like it's all dead. Yeah, you got skunk fishing. Yeah, the circumstances are bad, but here's what I want you to do. Let's go fishing now. I want you to stay in the game. Elijah, here's what I want you to do. You do this. Uh, Joshua, get up. Get your feet under you, boy. Come on. When you put your trust in that wisdom and you pick yourself up off of the floor, you come out of the cave You come out of the desert and you begin to imagine things that God can do far more than you ever could imagine. All of a sudden, there's something that lights up in you that must find its way now to goals. Now, all a goal is, is it can't be the starting point. It must be dream, has to be wisdom, imagination, and then you have the goal setting stage. Now, here's the problem with people in goal sets. What they do is they first imagine all of the problems rather than the possibilities. So they're going to try and set goals, but all they can see is, oh boy, look at all the problems. Look what we have to overcome. Look at what's going to have to be done. Look, this is absolutely impossible. This is crazy. All they're doing is focusing on all that is wrong about it, and they're trying to set goals within that framework. You don't set goals based on that. You set goals based on the wisdom, the imagination, and then what your next step will be. Paul is saying, you know what? I haven't yet got there, but here I just make sure I keep forgetting what is behind, good and bad, good and bad. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining, more or less. I'm really putting everything in. I'm all in on it. I'm straining toward what is ahead. What is ahead? Some of you went through some pretty difficult things this year. You're going through it right now. There is a point at which, you know, mourning has to do its work. But then there's a point at which mourning ceases. Ecclesiastes, there's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. There's a point at which you wake up and say, his plan continues. Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. He's saying, I've, I've always known where the goal is. Some of you in your relationships, you've backed off. You're not all in. You're not all in. Get wisdom from God. Imagine what he could do. Set goals. Get in. Go all in and set goals. I'm going to set goals that I'm going to learn how to listen better this month, this week, today, this Sunday. I'm going to do some real listening today. Because it's in the listening that I'm going to get the perspective altered that I may need altered. I am going to do more in the sense of honesty. I'm going to be emotionally more transparent. I am going, what? You set the goal. You take the little baby step now. You start taking these steps and you press on toward that goal so that you win the prize of the relationship that you've always dreamed about. but you don't know how long we've had this kind of problem. Well, your decision isn't about that. Your decision is about trying to build hope on hurt, and you can't do it. So what are you going to do? 
take it back. Take back the ground you've lost. Don't yield it. Take it back. We're so far in. Take it back. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Dreams from God come to you. They're worked out in this world and then they return to God with whatever you did with them. It's easy to bail out when hurt is the source of hope. Next, visualize the results. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, when you get saved, when you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, you get a different set of eyes. You get a set of spiritual eyes. The Bible's very explicit over and over about this. You get to see differently. This is what faith actually looks like. It gives you the ability to see what you do not see, to believe in what you do not see. I believe in what I do not see. And often in our change, we say, well, if this happens, then maybe I'll do this. Or if they change, or if this happens, then I will do that. You know, if I win the lottery, I'll pay all my debts. Oh man, if I win the lottery, I'll uh, be a giver. If I win, but you know, we tend to do this simply because Faith seems so outrageous. To believe in things that you do not see. What don't you see going into this year? You know that's dreamland? Now you got a place for dreams to start. We're not seeing it yet in this relationship. We're not seeing it in this family. We're not seeing it in our ministry. We're not seeing it in the way that, in in our profession and what we do. We're not seeing it in our finance. We're not seeing it in our health. We're not seeing it. Look, that, that is dreamland right there. That's where it starts. We're not seeing it. What are you not seeing? Now go to that other set of faith eyes that God gives us. Finally, Trust him. Trust him. It says in Psalm 37, 1 to 5, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. One of the things that makes it difficult to trust God is when we look around and we see people that have no interest in God. And boy, that sure seems to be going great. I've had somebody say to me just recently, it was almost a reason for them wanting to give up their faith. It was like, I mean, look at it. If I keep my faith, I, I got nothing but battles. If I, if, I, if I just walk away from my faith, I mean, frankly, well, look at around. Look at, look at these. They, they, they're, just, they're just living life. They're, they're just filling the coffers. They're just, seems to be all going good. God is a, addressing that in this song. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. And it is certainly wrong for you to leave faith at home. It must go in to where your feet walk. Then he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord, do the right things. 
Do the right things in the difficult areas where it's hard to see any change. Do the right things. Do it anyway. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Only two phrases I want to focus on there. Delight yourself in the Lord and then commit your way to the Lord. Those are the two keys right there in trust. It's easy to trust the Lord when we're delighting in him. Oh man, Lord, you are so good. Oh yeah, life has been tough. Yes, this has happened. God, we went through loss, but man, you are good. You are with us. You're our shepherd. I sense your peace. God, I'm so grateful that I'm not alone in this journey. When we start delighting in the Lord, I delight, Lord, that you are so faithful to me even when I'm not faithful to you. I delight, Lord, that you actually love me with a depth that nobody else needs to even comprehend. For some reason, you love me beyond any kind of endpoint. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. I am delighting in that. I'm delighting in that, Lord. I'm delighting that you have a plan and a purpose for me even when I screw up as often as I have. I'm so glad that you have a plan and a purpose. I'm delighting in you, Lord. I delight that I'm still breathing as I walk into this next year, Lord. I delight that despite all my errors of 2021, despite all of my failures, despite all of the things that I could let be anchors, despite the hurts that I know can never build hope, despite everything, I am delighting in you, who you are. And then it says, commit your way to the Lord. What's he saying? Very simple. He's just saying, God has a way. He's got a way for you this year. He's got a way, a path for you. He's got it laid out. He's just saying, commit, your, commit yourself to the way of the Lord this year. How do you do that? Everything we've just talked about. You just commit your way to the Lord and you say, I don't know how this thing's all going to work out, but I know I'm going to be God-honoring to the wisdom, the imagination, the goals, the results. I'm trusting you. I'm taking the path. It's not going to be led by me, Lord. Your wisdom leads us. Your direction, your path, that's what I want. And then you take faith and plant it into every step you take. Because every step you take is going to be resisted somehow, some way, in this world. There is going to be enough things to hold you back, put you under, if you're willing to be put under. But if you're not, that song we sang, second, just before the rap, the last song that you sang together, was really a take it back song. The key for you is to understand if you're willing to take it back, God is more than willing to lead you back. He will lead you back. He can put that passion in again. He can light up that spark again. You can have that joy coming again. You can walk into this year with higher expectations. You can, you can build a hope into this year that's not based on the hurts of last year. You can actually say, I am starting a new year. But the new year is not the most important thing. It's that it's a new day in the way that I'm trusting God it is his path and it's starting with me getting back into the dream business and saying God I'm taking back my dream thank you for holding it for me 
thank you that you kept it waiting here. Taking it back. Taking it back. Would you stand with me, please? Father, as we bow our heads before you on this January 2nd, 2022, uh, Lord, we make a big deal of these dates and these turns, but Lord, for you, it's just this trust journey. Father, a lot of us, our dreams have grown weaker this last year, not stronger. And we need to take it back. Things are wearing out in our life and we need to take it back. So Father, we pray that in our hearts you'll awaken our dream for our relationships, our money, our time and energy, our gifts, our talents, our moment and time in this world. We just awaken it again, Lord, and say that this matters and our life matters and we want to live a life full of meaning, a full life in this year ahead. So, Father, give us the grace for the hurts that we've caused and give us the grace, Lord, that we give to others for the hurts they've caused. And may hope arise in our hearts because God's still speaking wisdom into our lives and saying, hang in there. Get up, get on your feet. Let's go back in the battle. Goliath's out of the way. Let's get him down. Let's move forward. You walk with me. Listen to my voice. Be obedient. Be at peace. I want you to just be calm with me. Let's go. Let me lead you. I'm going to lead you by some calm waters. I'm going to lead you in by some green grass. Let's get you restored. Let's give you some food and water in this desert right now. Let's lift you up. Let's increase uh, the wisdom of your perspective. Let's show you a different way to see this. Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit will awaken these things in our life. So that as we leave this place, it's going to be with a step that says, I'm ready. I really do want change. And I'm taking back this area of my life, whatever we name. I'm taking it back in Christ's name. If you're here today, you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never accepted Jesus. You may be online, you may be sitting reclining right now. I, I want to say to you, look, start the new year off with Jesus. Your dreams, like they're going to come and go. God's dreams, they don't come and go. That's why we can pick it up when we get off base. But to have God's dreams, you must have faith. Not faith to control God, but God can then control you. You receive Christ in your heart simply with a little prayer of faith. Faith mixed with God's truth. I love you. I have a plan for your life. My son has died for you. And if you receive him into your life, you get mercy for all sin and you have eternal life. You trust that wisdom of God. Here's a little prayer. You say, Father, I receive Jesus, your son, as my savior. I take the faith I've got and I place it in him. 
I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. And I pray that you would awaken in me and bring to me the dream that you've got for my life. And that my faith will allow me, Lord, to trust you so that you can lead me in all of the areas of my life where, Lord, it needs to be awakened. So, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. I yield my life. I surrender it all. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.